want to say a word of thanks to you. So many of you have said sweet words to me this week as I've been asked to be a presiding elder in the Global Methodist Church. As I spoke with our leadership and talked with our SPRC uh, leadership, they felt that that was something, that because it's such a limited role, it's something I could do mostly on days off, just me mentoring and helping with 11 churches in our geographical area. But So I appreciate, appreciate your sweet words to me up until this past Wednesday. And then I went to preach at a local nursing home where some of our members are, and we had to move from our regular room, right, Rosemary? We had to move from our regular room because construction was ongoing as we were leading, so we went to this other room. There was a lot of noise, and one of our church members said to me, there's going to be some competition for you today with the noise, and I said, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to lose, and she said, oh no, you have a big mouth. So there we go. <laughs> I love y'all, and I thank you for your love for me. We don't have much time this morning, so just one thing to see. There's so much more here to see. We're going to continue to go through chapter 8 next week and see more of Philip's life. But one, one key theme, what is it that ordinary believers are to have? What are ordinary believers to do? We see this throughout the book of Acts. Spirit-filled Christians witness to their faith, through the way they live, through the attitudes that they have, but also through the things that they say. So just looking at Philip's life, this is an ongoing pattern. We've said there's about 16 to 17 different crustacean moments in Acts. We see the church grow a little bit more, where God says, oh no, I want them to. No, I want them to. I want them to. And this phrase you find more in uh, uh, Acts than any other book of the Bible, somebody did the math, and it's the word added, The people were added. People were added. People were added. Not just so I can have the Holy Spirit. I want, I want that manifestation. I want that power. I want that peace. No, he comes to, to definitely refresh, to bless, as we said last week, to help us live the very life of Jesus. But he always comes to, to reach. He's always going to push us. Who else needs to hear? And this, this, this work right here in Philip's life, and then you see it next, what's about to happen. It, it reminds me of three things this morning, if you're in verse 5. First, that Philip's life was to witness. That's, you're going to see two accounts of that here in, in this chapter. And you think about the background. That's why I had P, uh, Steve re, read those first couple of verses. It doesn't seem like it has anything to do with this. It has everything to do with this. They're under persecution. They're running from home. And not only are they running from home, the Scripture says that the apostles aren't going with them that they're staying behind. So you've got, you're worrying about them staying in Jerusalem because of the possible persecution, but then you're trying to figure out how can we do this without them? Now you, you put yourself in Philip's mind with all that going on, and what do you see him do? As soon as he gets out of town, what does he do? He witnesses. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't take his ball and go home. He doesn't say, listen, with all this struggle, with all this worry, I can just take five. Several years ago, if some of you remember when the movie The Force Awakens came out, I think it's been about 10 years, so too bad on spoiler alerts, you had your opportunity. But when that movie came out at my last church, I went to go see it, and we had several of the families of our church there. But I remember at the very end of that movie, I was sitting just up, I'm not going to say his name because Lewis would be embarrassed. But anyway, he was sitting right here behind me, probably about 10 years old at that time. And at the very end of the movie, near the end, not the end, but near the end, one of the major characters of the original trilogy dies. And as soon as that happened, Lewis left the theater. 
He was done. I'm not, he went out and waited in the lobby and never came back. And as far as I know, has never watched Star Wars again. When that moment happened, it's, I'm done. You can't do that to whoever that major character was. I'm finished. He could have taken his ball and gone home. They're killing friends. They're going house to house. But every time I get the opportunity to share, you just look at, you look at his life here. It's a life he lived to uh, witness. That's a good word for us. Some of us are going through it. Health stuff, family stuff, work stuff. We've been injured by somebody. But how important it is here, and you're going to see it in the next, when we look at uh, Philip next week, to have our radars up because God is always wanting it, not only to fill, but to witness. All of us can do it. No matter what's going on, we're called to it. You see it in Philip's life. Not only was Philip's life to witness, but Philip's life was, in a very real sense, Jesus's witness. He, 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 his life, we said last week, is to be our life, and he ministers just like Jesus did. Here, here, here is, do you remember the last time Jesus went through Samaria? Anybody remember that from Luke 9? It ends with John and James saying, let's call down fire on this whole place and burn them up. Jesus is setting his face. They know it, these Samaritans. Jesus is setting his face to Jerusalem. And so he says, go make preparations. Go. And they're in Samaria. No, we're not, we're not going to help you. You're on your way to Jerusalem. You've set your face there. And John and James says, let's burn the whole place down. They did that to our Savior. He is about to make his long trek to the cross. And so we're running out of here. We're being chased. We're being persecuted. Let's... Let's not bother with these. But what do we remind ourselves of in the first chapter of Acts 1? It's not to just Jerusalem. It's not even just to Judea. But Jesus says to Samaria and to the other ends of the earth. It's, it's the heart of God, right? Second Peter talks about that. The heart of God that all would come. Uh, to saving faith. His witness is Jesus' life. And you think about, that happened in Luke 9. This is the heart of grace of Jesus. The next chapter, when he has to tell a story or answer a story, who's my neighbor? Who, well, who's the example he uses? There was a Samaritan. Oh, the heart of grace of Jesus. And so there are times when people have injured us. There's times where we don't feel comfortable with certain people. There's times, look, they had built a road around Samaria, the Jews did. They didn't want to deal with them. They had, they had they were, they were friendly to Rome. They had not married the right people. They worshiped on the wrong mountain. Count them out, and Philip won't do it because Jesus didn't do it. I don't know how it is with your radar. Is your radar big enough? It certainly was for Philip. His witness was Jesus' witness. Even, even these stories against Jesus, and yet go to Samaria. Lastly, Philip's life was to witness. Philip's life was Jesus' witness. But his actual life, Philip's life, was his witness. It's one of the things I can't stand about communication today. You can read a text and get really upset. And the person didn't mean it, right? Or you read an email because you don't have nonverbal communication to back it up, which is about 80% of language. If you don't have that to back it up, I don't know exactly what you're saying. That's why they tell us, by the way, Zoom, those kinds of meetings, face, it wears us out because we're only trying to read 
just your face and I can't read your body. So our brains are working overtime trying to figure out what the actual body language is saying without being able to see all of it. You look at his life, verse 7, there's healings. Verse 6, he's doing signs. Uh, His life matched his faith. And there's a good word for us in that. We can memorize our Bible verses, but until we love the Lord with our lives, people could care less about our Jesus. If he doesn't mean anything to your life, then why would, why would, they, why would they give their lives uh, to him? That world of, of Philip's day and this world will believe what you say when they see how you Live, Or as Dennis Kinlaw would say, obedience in my life gives God greater leverage on those within my sphere of influence. Y'all, you think sometimes you're going through the motion that nobody sees. People see. People notice. It's how you and I earn the right when those opportunities come up, as we're going to see later in chapter 8. It's how you and I earn the right to speak because we've lived Jesus' life before him. Philip, we believe a lay person, is doing signs. Philip, a lay person who might have just counted himself out as ordinary, who might have counted himself out, as we said last week, because I'm a Greek-named Hebrew. Maybe I'm one of the dispersed. I'm not, I'm not in like everybody else. And yet God's working wonderfully through his life. Your life matters. Your attitudes, how you live, it can open the door for people to believe, for people to say, what is different about you? How did you go through that with your sanity? How did you not punch back on that? What an opportunity to love Jesus so we can speak about him because we've done that work uh, to live for him. I love as we come to this meal, uh, not only do we come, as we said earlier, with confession, uh, we not only come seeking his grace, we come seeking his presence, we come seeking his healing, we come seeking his encouragement, As much as it breaks my heart that we can't be at this altar rail and all take right here just for time's sake, it would be over an hour if we did that. Uh, We have to take by intention in this large of a a group. But I like that in the sense that there's something right about that. We have come to receive so we can get going. I come to receive and take of his grace, to take of Jesus, because I got to get going. And I've got to share him. His life was to witness. His life was Jesus' witness. And, and his, his life was his witness. How, are you, how do you and I need to hear that this morning? What's our next step? No matter what we're going through, not to take five, but to say, Lord, keep my eyes open. How can I be a part of your kingdom work? That's what's normal for ordinary, everyday believers throughout the book of Acts. He comes to fill but he comes to be shared. Jesus Christ shared himself for us. And so we come to this table to celebrate that this morning, remembering that Christ invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks to God, gave it, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray.
Almighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.